Welcome to Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. It is Thursday, the 20th of May, 2021. Hard to believe time is flying. Flime is tying, man. Flime is tying. It is uh, moving through space, and it keeps on slipping, slipping into the future. So um, we were talking about the Briggs-Myers uh, scale, and it's a way to categorize um, the way you process the world around you. And so it breaks down into four different um, spectrums. And those four, based on, on where you fall, um, you know, on each of the different areas, basically boils down to 16 different categories. And they take basically everybody and put them into 16 categories. So um, the first one is, are you an introvert or an extrovert? And this refers to how do you get your energy? Um, and so... Uh, you know, extroverts don't always, you know, they're not like people bouncing off the walls. They just get their energy from stimuli within the outside world, whereas introverts tend to get their energy from self-reflection in their own world. So introverts, you know, if, if they're at a, in a loud place, will maybe sometimes want to, hey, just step away for a few minutes to kind of recharge their batteries a little bit before they go back at it. Same thing with like vacations and things like that. They might be that person who says, hey, let's not plan to do something every day. Let's just take a day where we can kind of recharge and, you know, just stay in the room. Um, extroverts, um, you know, get their energy from the outside world, going out and doing and being around people, and they and they get energy from that. And of course, there are people who sort of sit in the middle and kind of can do it either way. They call those omniverts. Um, and so, when you look at this as a scale from the most extroverted to the the most introverted, you, you figure out a range there. And the one thing that people kind of knock the Briggs Myers for is that they don't really show that range. You 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 either fall in as an extrovert or an introvert, and so. Um, it's up to you to kind of say, well, but I'm a, a very, you know, weak one or the other, meaning you're sort of a centrist, you're sort of a little bit of both, as opposed to I'm strongly an extrovert or an introvert. Again, um, uh, there's a good website where you can take the test for free. Um, they're not a sponsor, but they're fun. And that is uh, 16 Personalities. And they, um, they uh, you know, kind of break it down for you as to how you or what the different categories are and how strongly you are. They give you a percentage like, you know, you're 65% of this or, or something like that. And so you can kind of get a, a strength measure for each of the different criteria. The second area they do is sensing versus intuition. And uh, they, they, they pose the question, well, if you walk into a room, how do you assess what's going on? Do you get hard facts and direct answers? Um, then you're probably... Uh, ranked high for sensing. If you prefer to rely on intuition, then you may walk into a room and get a feeling for what's happening. You look at patterns, body language, and feel the energy in the room. So, um, which is is a little weird because intuition and sensing sound almost the same to me. But sensing is, you know, getting facts and direct answers about what's going on. So you walk into a room and you ask, start asking questions to to make your assessment. Whereas an intuitive person would come in and start looking at like, well, how are people sitting? What's the, you know, what's the sound level, what's the energy of the room, that kind of thing. So it's sensing versus intuition there. Um, how do you make decisions is the question number three. It's thinking versus feeling. Once you have to act, how do you decide on what you're going to do? Um, if you rely on logical thought and, and, and data, then you're probably a thinking person. Um, if you go with your gut feeling and rely on emotions, then you probably tend to be higher in the feeling uh, range. And so, um, and this one's a weird one too, because, you know, I think these two categories, if you're strongly one or the other, are the hardest to get over dealing with somebody else because you just don't understand the other person. 
It's like, I don't understand how you came to that conclusion, you know, because it just is so foreign if you're used to doing, um, working through like logic and data as opposed to somebody who comes in and goes, I don't know, I just feel like that's the way it should be. You know, I, I can, I always imagine, you know, two people who are strongly w- one way and the other sitting in a jury room and going, well, I don't know. I just feel like he, he didn't do it. And the other guy's going, but all the evidence says he did. It. You know, it's like, oh man. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it, I think viva la difference is what the French say. Right. And so, uh, yeah, we'll go with that. But uh, thinking versus feeling is a very interesting one to me. The final area or, or, um, um, range that they talk about is judgment versus perception. And this is, um, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you tend to be a planner, somebody who lays things out, then you're a judgment person. And again, I think the title they use here is weird because judgment doesn't to me lay this out. But, um, but if you're, if you're planning a trip, do you, uh, plan or things or leave them open to change? If you're planning everything out and, and work, looking through details, then you are a judgment person. And that's where I think maybe the judgment comes in as you start to get, uh, judge people or get irritated if they don't have any plans, if they just like, eh, just show up and figure it out. Um, if you tend to be more flexible, then you're relying on your perception of the world. When you perceive things um, to be a signal for change, you make a change. Um, and so, uh, you know, the the you know, if you're if you're a thinking versus feeling person, right? If you're a thinking person and you're logical, well, you look at it and you say, well, things look like I'm looking at the data here. It's like, okay, I see I'm seeing a shift. So now we should maybe probably change our strategy, right? So the two aren't necessarily in conflict. But, uh, you know, if you're a judgment person, then you're going, look, I've laid out all these plans. This is what we're supposed to do. And sometimes it can, it can get frustrating if people then come walking in and say, well, those are nice, but we're going to go do this. And you're like, I spent hours putting these plans together. We've got, so we have something to do. Aren't you appreciative of it? <laughs> it's interesting because my wife is very much a judgment person. She plans things. She plans out vacations. And I'm very much a, hey, it's vacation. That's the thing I'm trying to get away from is having to plan stuff. And so... Um, yeah, over the years we've learned she she plans to have time. Yeah, this is for her, right? She plans to have times where there aren't any plans, so that I can have my my sort of intuitive day. And sometimes my intuitive day is, hey, let's go get a cabana down by the pool and sit there and do nothing, which I've done on a trip in Hawaii. Sometimes my intuitive day is, hey, I'm interested in going to this national um, park over here. So anybody who wants to join me, let's pile in the cars and we're going to drive an hour south to go you know hike on this mountain and see where a civil war battle was held and i've done that one so um you know sort of on on the spur and i picked those two because both those two days turned out to be great days i've also picked days you know where nothing was planned and it wasn't a great day it was bored because nobody had anything to do so you know you win some you lose some um here's Aaron. hey there hi so I was still talking about Myers-Briggs stuff. I was just talking about the um, how I think that the biggest issue amongst people is the thinking versus feeling one. And, you know, I really don't like the one-word explana- explanations because when they say thinking versus feeling, it's not like feeling people don't think, right? But it's, a, but, but it's uh, you know, how do you decide what to do? So if, if, you, uh, if you have to make an, an, a decision or you have to take action, how do you decide what it is? And... The thinking people tend to rely on logical thought and data, and the feeling people tend to rely more on emotions. And I think that, um, you know, I, my, in my mind, I imagine two people sitting in a jury, and 
One of them goes, I don't know, I just kind of get the feeling he didn't do it. And the other guy is like, but all the data and evidence says he did. Yes. You know, I could just see that, that, you know, that conversation going down. Um, but I, I will tell you for me, because um, I'm on the feeling side of that, mm-hmm. um, I, it's not that I don't collect the data, I do. Um, and I, and I, but if, if, if I don't feel, if I have time to make, to, to do more research, and I and I don't feel that that even though the data seems to be pointing in in one particular direction, if I don't feel that's right, I'm going to keep digging. Um, if if I if I'm out of time, then um, it, it it really depends. Sometimes I'll say, right. well, this doesn't feel right to me, but the data are pointing in this direction, and so right. I'm going to go in that in that direction. Yeah. So it really depends on what it is. And 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 sure. but I, I will tell you that the work that I do and how I live my life has to be aligned with my values it has right. to be when i was working for the man when i was working in the for-profit world um i it, it, it you're sounding it, very hippy like dippy there all. the man <laughs> well, they yeah, planted you know, they planted know, the seed that's funny yeah but but and and i i i have nothing I'm, I'm a big fan of capitalism capitalism makes charity possible but i have to be on the charity side that's where right. my values align and, you know, God bless anybody who's out there making a bazillion dollars. Please make your charitable donations to the Making Hope Happen Foundation. There you, you know go. what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's the point I was making is there are a lot of people who, who you know, it's it's not like you're exclusively this or that. You know, it's just it just talks about your tendencies and ways to the uh, approaches to things. Um, the other one I like is, you know, they talk about judgment versus perception. But if you listen to the description of it, you know, the example is like if you're planning a trip, do you do you plan everything out or do you leave things open to change? If you tend to be a planner, you're probably more in the judgment category. And if you tend to be more flexible or or not plan, just play it, you know, go by the seat of your pants, then you're probably more of a perceiver in that world. Right. And, yeah. and it's funny because I think of my wife and I and literally when we're going on vacation, we have learned to work together, but she plans everything. She plans it all out. And over the years, she's learned to, instead of planning everything, she plans out, uh, you know, here's the things we're going to do, but not necessarily exactly when we're going to do them. And she literally, like, well, now when we're planning vacations, plan for a period of time, a day or whatever, you know, depending on how long we're there, where nothing is planned. She plans for nothing to be planned so that I can have my, you know, kind of free time to wing it. Which is funny. Yeah. And, and, and I can think of two vacations where, you know, uh, one time, you know, she planned free time and said, okay, today's your day. What do you want to do? And we got a cabana and we sat by the pool and pretty much did nothing. I read a book and sipped a drink and and we sat by a pool, uh, when we were in Hawaii one time yet. I, and I can think of another time where my sort of like, Hey, I don't have anything planned today. What do you want to do? Kind of thing came up and I, and I suggested, Hey, let's all, you know, anybody wants to join me, I'm going to pile in the car and drive an hour South to go, you know, march around a, a mountain where there was a civil war battle. We went to Kings mountain and cow pens and both those turned out to be good days. But I'll admit that there are times when, you know, there's free time planned for our vacation. And I say, what do you want to do? She says, okay, today's your free day. What do you want to do? And I'm like, Uh, nothing particular comes to mind we we don't really have a good you know experience so sometimes it's great sometimes it's a miss you know um you know but that's that's the whole thing about not having it planned out you know and the advantage is to her credit there are a lot of times things that you have to book in advance and and they're only available at a certain time or on a certain day and because she plans it 
were able to do those things because if you left it to me, I'd get there and go, oh, they're closed today, you know. And and she knows that because she planned it all out. And so she goes, remember, on Tuesday, we're going here at 8 o'clock because that's when it opens. And they're open that day. And we can get in. And we want to be there when they open so that we don't have a huge crowd. You know, and so, so it's like, God bless her. We, we work together well in that way. <laughs> I, I I have to say that that um, I am the not planner on vacation. But mm-hmm. but mistakes like that where you where something is closed have taught me that 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 if there are things that I actually want to do, like that really want to do that I that, mm-hmm. that only I can only do in that particular area wherever I am. You know, maybe I'm in Hawaii right. and I want to go watch sea turtles, and um, then I have to look up when the boats are and get a reservation. Right, the boats are going out and get a reservation. But yeah. that is, I learned that one the hard way. It doesn't come to me naturally. <laughs> right, right. Well, and and yeah, and you, you we're both the the P the the, the perception, which is the one who's just yes. sort of like, a, hey, we'll just kind of figure it out and go with the flow, you know. And yeah, exactly. uh, which is great, except that, you know, if, if you happen to be married to somebody else who's that way, then you'll have a lot of those instances, right, where you show up and you're like, oh, oh, huh. <laughs> all right, well, let's do something else. You know, that kind Yay. of which which on the positive side, people who tend to be those perceivers also tend to be like, OK, we'll just do something else then. You know, it doesn't have to be that that we do today, uh, whereas, you know, that that would like eat at my wife. To, to no end. Elaine would just come unhinged. It's like, wait a minute, we should have planned this. How, what do you mean? Now I have to change my plans? No. You know, and, and, and that would really bother her. Um, uh, you know, and so that's why she plans so that she doesn't have to get in a situation like that. Um, so when she gets there, she just gets, it's, it's on autopilot. She's done all the work before she gets there yeah. and she can just enjoy it. Right. And she has great discomfort if, if she doesn't have that worked out before the fact, because it's not, she can't relax. Whereas me, I, I take it the exact opposite way. It's like, you know, the whole purpose of vacation is to get away from having plans and schedules and all of that. It's like, what? Yeah, I, that's the worst thing in the world. But it's great because I let her do it. And that way we have the advantage of both. So there you go. So, yeah, it's it's worked out well over the years. But, uh, yeah, it's funny how that one is, is you know, uh, so clearly a difference between the two of us. Um <laughs> Yeah. Yes. I suspect if yes. we did a little looking, and I haven't done it recently, I might have done it in the past, but I don't recall. Is that you can probably go and find out like which, um, which Briggs Myers patterns are better matches for each other. You know. Oh yeah! If you go to the sixteen personalities website, sure I think it's there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it was funny, too, because we were talking about the little um, they have like a little person icon and they give a name to their different um, uh, of the 16 different types. Right. Within the within their tests. Yes. And uh, your your type, your your uh, I'm an EMT, ENTP, and they call it the debater. And the image is a guy standing at a podium basically explaining things to people. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Yeah. All right. (laughs) And you're an INFP, and you said it was like a hippie running through a field, and it's like... Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. It's like, I can see that aspect of your personality. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You know. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So not that I'm going to go out and join a commune, but I'm a very intuitive person, and I'm a yeah. deeply religious person. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny, too, because, you know... You, you, people don't tend to think of of people who who tend to be on the conservative political scale, uh, which you are, as sort of like 
sort of hippy dippy type of people. But if you really look at what is sort of behind that sort of ideology, it's it's this, like you said, it's this intuitive, this sense for um, of of um, uh, of community and helping others. And it's like, you know, if you look at what the hippies, I mean, it wasn't just you know eating peanut butter and yogurt. It was it was sort of like the sense of of let's all give each other a hug and let's let's get along. Yeah. And let's you know, and and yeah. you know the very fact that you ended up working in, in the industry that you did and, and you work to help people, um, you know, just underlies that fact and, 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 you know, puts a nice underline on it, highlights it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that's how I live my life is in service. And that's, that's, that's me a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we think of the hippie movement came out of the fifties and sixties, well, forties, fifties, and early 60s um there were very rigid social Mm -hmm. rules that people had to conform to and the hippie movement was busting out of that with you know you do you i'll do me you know let's love everybody and not judge everybody and and you know i'm very libertarian i mean i'm i'm deeply religious and i have Mm -hmm. um you know i'm a deeply um christian person i'm a devout christian person but you know you have your religion and you do you as long as you don't you know, we stay in our lanes that way. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm For not those of you who you. pray in 17-year cycles when Brood X pops out again and you bow down to the to the god of of hey, disgusting bugs that make a lot of noise, um, <laughs> you know, go for it. That's your thing. <laughs> you. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yuck, but okay. <laughs> as long as it doesn't bother me, we're, we're, on, we're, we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, yeah, and half the country goes, oh yeah, that's funny, and the other half the country goes, what's Brood X? <laughs> you know, oh us, my God, us West Coasties. I'm starting to see recipes. I'm starting to see recipes oh. online. Oh no! For making cicadas. No. Oh yeah! Oh my God! I can and see Mickey people like drying, you know, eyes. drying them and then blending them up into uh, oh, like flowers, God. and and you'll be eating bread, and you'll get like a leg. <laughs> Or a, a wing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yuck. No, thank you. You know. <laughs> if you see anything that says it's been protein enhanced, just say no. That's all I'm saying. It's yeah. like, because that protein does not come from peas. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's a protein I can do without. Um, not that, you know, at the chemical level, your body would know a difference. But at the logical thinking level. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Ew. Mm-hmm. Ew. You know, it's funny because every once in a while people talk about, you know, with populations uh, where they are and stuff that, that, that is a, that eating insects is a logical way to feed the masses and that we should, you know, look into that because, you know, as, as, as a biomass, there's a lot of them and you can create them very quickly, um, you know, cause they breed and grow and it's like, yeah, but it's a bug. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I know there's societies where they eat, you know, like grasshoppers and things like that. And I'm going, but yeah, it's a bug. <laughs> you know, if we're, if here's the thing, you know, you, you people tend to eat what's around them, what they have access to. And if we hit a point where there's famine and what we have access to are bugs, then we're going to eat bugs. Yeah. Um, but given at the this choice, point though. In time, at this point in time, we don't have to. So yeah. I'm not gonna. 
Yeah, so given the choice, you know, I, I, I do consider myself an omnivore, but that's an omni I just won't do more. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll, uh, 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 you know, and I say that, you know, and I'm willing to try anything, um, but I'm not going to make that a staple in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I've tried, you know, just about everything that is a food stuff that, you know, is eaten somewhere. I mean, I'm not going to go, you know, you know, chew on gravel just because I want to try it. But, uh, but I mean, you know, the insects, I mean, I have had a grasshopper that was fried and salted and it was fine. Um, I have had rattlesnake and alligator and, you know, I mean, ostrich. I mean, I'll try, I'll try this stuff. Um, by the way, alligator, if it isn't ground up like ground beef, don't, don't bother. It, it, it will, you'll break your jaw. You'll break your jaw chewing on that rubber band. Um, because that's the texture is a rubber band. The flavor was okay, but the texture was like a rubber band. It reminded me of clams. That sounds awful. Well, and the thing is, the first time I had it, they had cut it into strips and battered it and fried it. So it was like, okay, take something that's like shoe leather and make it tougher. You know, it was just what a bad idea. <laughs> um, I have since had it like um, ground up in a sausage and then cooked in you know in a in a in a like a sandwich type of thing with a, a sausage type, and you know. Quite honestly, you probably wouldn't even realize it was alligator if somebody hadn't told you. In fact, for all I know, they lied to me. It could have been, you know, whatever. But uh, I didn't see them actually. But yeah, I was going to say I didn't see them butcher the, the the alligator, so I don't know for a fact that it was. But they told me it was alligator, and that was much more palatable that way, um, mostly because of texture than anything else. But uh, I, yeah, I've had rattlesnake I too. To remember, I seem to remember as a kid. Um, uh, tasting alligator, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I don't remember. I don't remember it having a strong flavor, to be honest with you. But I was mm-hmm. a kid, and so um, maybe I'm misremembering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were we went to an alligator farm in in somewhere right. in in South Texas or East Texas, and mm-hmm. uh, um, and they were either alligators or caimans. Now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, they yeah. May have been but all caimans. along the Gulf, I mean, when you're eating, what's the difference, right? <laughs> it's essentially yeah, it's true. yeah. I get it. I get it. Biologically, they're different, but you know, the taste. Come on. But yeah, I uh, my my recollection was it was it was somewhat reminiscent of like clams, but a little bit you know more beefy tasting, and it was it was okay. I mean, it, I, it wasn't one where you go taste like chicken. Um, no, it definitely didn't yeah. taste like <laughs> didn't taste like chicken. <laughs> I mean, I could say taste like frog legs because I've had those, and yeah, it was more like frog. You know, but people tell me that so, frog legs taste like chicken, and I'm like, no, I don't think so. You know. Um... Uh, there's some there's some things you eat them they have such a strong flavor that you'll never forget right like venison or moose mm-hmm. um you know uh and so you you remember because there's they're you know an oilier oilier meat mm-hmm. than alligator um and i've told my moose story where my grandfather uh mm. went out and shot shot a moose went hunting shot a moose and that's what we ate for a year when i was mm-hmm. a kid he rented us a meat locker, and that was we had moose everything: moose stew, moose sausage, moose steaks, yeah. moose free meat. I mean, man, moose we, we yeah. cost us cost us what it does to put it in the, in the meat locker. Yeah, and people forget exactly. about that, but there are there used to be, and I suppose if you looked around, there probably still are places that were exactly that—just big freezers—and you rented space in them because you know you didn't have a big enough freezer at home. Yes. So and yeah, you, Grand you, Terrace used to have a meat locker. Really. Yeah, in fact, it was called the Meat Locker, and uh, what was nice is they had a counter up front, and they sold like um, 
like sodas and candies and stuff. So a lot of kids would stop in there to buy, you know, junk food. But uh, but its primary business was just leasing out space. And you could buy a side yeah. of beef and put it in the meat locker. And they had contacts with, with ranchers in the area. So you could get, like, local beef. And uh, they would, um, you know, butcher it and put it in there. They also did, if, if you're a hunter in the area, you could take your um, your game there and they would do the butchering and then the storage if you yeah. didn't have a freezer and that's, at home. that's exactly exactly what they did because nobody yeah. has a home freezer that will hold a moose. Right, yeah. I mean, they are big, big animals. <laughs> I remember mom, my mom and dad bought a side of beef and with it came a free freezer. And so the freezer was out on the, you know, when it showed up, they literally like, packed all the food in the freezer and the freezer then sat out on the back patio and it was one that had like a lock so you could lock it so people wouldn't steal your meat and um and yeah we ate off of that for a good part of a year uh because when you're feeding a family of four you know buying in bulk makes sense right it was the ultimate version of going to costco six people yeah yeah Yeah. six people right exactly and kids that were in you know junior high and high school so we were inhaling food (laughs) <laughs> and you were all athletes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, food food was in, in short supply at our house all the time. You know, other than grocery you day, know. and that was back in the days when our family, when we went grocery shopping, we would go fill up a cart or two, and that was the food. You know, it wasn't like yep. uh, you you didn't run back to the store for something. If you didn't have it, then you made do. You figured out what to do because you know it's like when you're fixing your meal. If you didn't have something, it was like, all right, well, we just won't put that in this time, you know. Uh, so you know, um, there are people in this country that that hunt as a as a way of mm-hmm. that's how they feed their families. Um, you mm-hmm. know, meat especially has gotten so expensive that yeah. you know people hunt. You shoot a deer, your family's good for a while. Yeah, there's a know? Netflix series called Meat Eater, and it follows a guy who's a hunter. What's interesting about it is after each hunt, and he's very respectful of the animals, and 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 you know, and and, and tries to be, uh, you know, make sure that he gets a good. In fact, the guy almost he I, I, he really starts crying in one episode because he. He got a bad shot on an animal, and it suffered, and he didn't want that. He was like, no, I want it to be a clean kill. But he then cleans and butchers everything, and then, and they show that. So it's a little hard to watch for people who don't want to you know, see that. But then he also then talks about what they cook with it afterwards you know like here's how i use this and you know and which is kind of good so slash it's it's a hunting butchering and cook cooking show it's an interesting mix interesting mix and sometimes he he, in one case he shoots with like a breech loader uh rifle you know the old style back civil war style or or, or revolutionary war style rifle he goes bow hunting one time um and he travels all over the world and so these are filmed all over the place as he goes and hunts but he's he's not a sport hunter everything that he hunts he hunts for food um, and his family eats that. So, you know, so and I respect that's that. Awesome. I respect that. If you're going to hunt, I do too. that's the reason you should hunt, you know, and, yeah, uh, especially if, if you can sell the hide or you can sell the, some of the, or, you know, whatever, some of the, the, the bits that so mm-hmm. the entire animal is used. Right. Um, uh, then that's, that's even better. Um, mm-hmm. that's a respectful way. I mean, animals eat animals. There's, there's nothing immoral about being, um, a meat eater. It's right. it's how the animal is treated when it's alive. It's how it's treated, you know, when it's being it's being slaughtered. Yeah. Um, and it's how it's how much you use of the animal. Um, you know, killing a rhino so you can get its its tusk or its horn, and then yeah. leaving the animal there. I mean, that's that's, that's just obscene. evil. Yeah, it that's is awful. 
that, that yeah, I, yeah, I think we're in a hundred percent agreement here because that's how I feel about it. I mean, I myself have not gone out and gone hunting. Uh, I have no opposition to it, and if the opportunity presented itself, I would do it um, because I would be fine with eating wild caught animals, um, and and in fact would actually like it if the opportunity presented itself. Um, I just have never gone out and and made that opportunity present itself. I've got friends who go out and hunt. Um, but the idea of, of killing something for the fun of killing it, that to me is, is appalling. But if you're going to use that animal, use that meat, um, you know, or if you're protecting something or somebody, right? If there's an animal that's been attacking your herd or has attacked a person, then yeah, you need to, uh, you know, ideally if you could catch that animal and relocate it, fine. But, uh, but, um, you know, there are some animals that you just, they, they have to go hunt them. You know, and quite frankly, yep. you know, like deer hunters and stuff, if we didn't, if we didn't, the population would quickly outgrow the ability for the area that they're living in to support them in a lot of cases, yeah. because, because we've killed off their, the, the animals that naturally hunt them. Um, so I'm not saying it's not a problem that humans didn't cause, but, uh, but, you know, the population of, of like deer will be controlled either by starvation because there's not enough food for them or by population control through hunting, you know, yep. and which is, which yep. is the more kind way to deal with an animal, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, if you look at it that way, then hunting makes not only a lot of sense, but it's the humane thing to do. So have you um, seen any of, or read any of the, the, uh, uh, histories or or descriptions of what's hap- what happened to Yellowstone when they reintroduced the wolf um it it evened mm-hmm. out the ecosystem in Yellowstone mm-hmm. dramatically and um so you had healthier herds everywhere and mm-hmm. it was just it was just you know you have to have those apex predators whether the apex predator is a human being or it's a or mm-hmm. it's it's a, a cat or a wolf or a whatever you have to have apex predators mm-hmm. because Otherwise, things get out of whack. You know, yeah, bunnies. Yeah. You know, we talked yesterday about the 47 bunnies that the woman had in her hotel room. Right. Um, you know, the reason why they reproduce like they do is because they're at the bottom of the food chain. They're expected they're to be eaten. That's, that's right. what happens to bunnies. Right. And, yeah. And, so and owls and foxes and, and, and bobcats eat rabbits. That's what they do. They do. You know? And so... Rabbit's way of dealing with that is just make sure there's lots of rabbits so that some of us survive. Yes. Yes. And it's horrible for the rabbit. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not horrible for the rabbit. It is, but that's, mm-hmm. that it is what it is, you know, because otherwise you'd be overrun with rabbits or yeah. rats or skunks or, you know, mm-hmm. gophers or whatever bottom of the food chain animal you want to talk about. Yeah. Think of small, small fuzzy things, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of those, most of those are not, uh, not apex predators. No. No. Yeah. Hey, did you see um, any, uh, or have you watched the trailer that HBO dropped recently of the Friends reunion? So no, I haven't seen that. I don't know that I would watch it though. I got to be honest, I wasn't a huge Friends fan. Ah, see, I enjoyed the show a lot, and, and in fact. To this day, because it's on a, a, a lot of places, but when I go to bed, uh, Nick at Night is playing Friends like back to back, and they play like seasons at a time. So there's you know show feeds into shows, so you can follow storylines that cross multiple shows. And uh, 
And since I know all the shows because I'd seen them before, it's not like something that catches my attention. So it's just I, I put it on so I can fall asleep to it. You know, it's just it's it's not something that's going to catch my interest. It's I guess familiar. I, could, I could do something wild and crazy like, you know, turn the stupid television off, which I've done as well. But uh, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, they're getting ready for a reunion. And I guess that the cast members have said that, you know, over the years, the 20 years since the show has been on, that they would see each other fairly regularly, but it would be, you know, two or three at a time, not all six of them in one place in one place. And they said that the first time this, when they got together to do this is the first time all six of them have been in a room together and they do the reunion. And this isn't a reunion show. It's not a scripted show. It's just an hour long show where they're all going to reminisce and talk about the show together um, and and they're doing some, you know some fun things like uh, there was several shows where Ross did like a trivia thing so they actually will do a trivia thing about the show and and they'll you know reenact they do like a a, um, a cold read of some of the scripts so you can like re- relive a few of the shows through them you know reenacting them and apparently like guest stars are going to be there like Tom Selleck who played um, Monica's boyfriend for a couple ep- a couple seasons will be there. Uh, as well as other people that come in. Janice uh, will be going, oh, my God. Um, and so, anyway, I mean, just the clip was kind of fun because they threw that all together. I was a little disappointed there's not going to be an actual show. But there was a little bit of controversy. Um, uh, the, in, you know, they, what they were in the, in the clip, they have the, a woman, like, asking them questions. And one of them was like, you know, what did you steal from the the, the show or the set when it when it was wrapping, right? Like, what did you... Did you take a memento? And, and you know, some of them absolutely did. Lisa Kudrow said, nope, didn't take anything. And, and then they got they got called on it. And they go, well, yeah, but but uh, Matthew stole stuff for you and gave it to you. <laughs> so she got something. <laughs> Courtney Cox apparently took nothing. She said she's just not sentimental that way. And if she had taken it, she would have ended up giving it away because she just doesn't keep hold on to things. Jennifer Aniston admitted to stealing a few things. Uh, so when they got to Matthew Perry, he said, yeah, I stole the cookie jar uh, from the from the uh, uh, from the hit the apartment that that they that he he and um, Matt LeBlanc shared uh, and gave it to Lisa Kudrow, but when he spoke, he kind of slurred his words and and he looked kind of hunched over like he and his and his eyes looked he, like he wasn't really focused on who he was talking to. Maybe he was just looking off in the distance or whatever. But a lot of people thought like, oh my gosh, did he have a stroke or? Is he Is high? He what's again? yeah? What's yeah. you know? It just looked bad, and so um, the whole thing is supposed to uh, premiere on HBO Max on the twenty seventh. So we're a week away from uh, it premiering on HBO Max. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, once it drops, if we see more of Matthew Perry, and and maybe they just if they picked that clip to play, like. Oh my God! Did they do that on purpose to make a controversy so that everybody would be talking about this? You know, or, Maybe. or, yeah, and hopefully he's fine. I would hope that's the case, but it just seemed weird, just really weird. And it was, huh. I guess, um, you know, I here's here's how I know. Okay, I know it was all over social media, and I'm not on social media, but I know because I watched it and then went, I I googled Matthew Perry stroke because I thought there's something wrong with this guy. And that's, you know, then it was all over the place. It was like all the hits in the, in the search were, you know, people asking the same thing or, hey, is he using again? Or, you know, what's, you know, what is going on here? Because he just did not seem right. So. So um, 
I, I, uh, I watch the show every week uh, in the first th- first few years of the mm-hmm. show. And then in the later seasons, I just got bored because yeah. the shtick was getting old. Yeah. Well, so, it was the same thing. I mean, you know. Yeah. It wasn't like, I mean, the characters developed. Yeah, they got, you know, more mature relationships and some got married and, you know, that kind of thing. But, I mean, but the the humor was the same humor. They were still laughing was, at the same jokes, the same kind of Exactly. Yeah, misunderstandings and stuff. So it was time. It was time. You know, I mean, what was it? Eight years or ten years, something like that. That they went. I mean, something they, like that. they they went. They had a good long run, and they and they went out still a very popular show. I mean, it wasn't like they had dipped dramatically into the in the ratings. I think that the cast had just said, "Okay, we've done this long enough. We're not engaged anymore," and that comes across in our work. So it was time for us to wrap it up. You know, so. Um, but anyway, I will I will admit to being a fan of the show, and I will uh, I will watch the the reunion show when it when it drops on on HBO Max. But uh, we'll see how that all plays out. Speaking of watching things, have you watched anything interesting? So I did. No, I have been working really long hours mm-hmm. this week, and so last night when I came home, it was like it was after eight, and. Um, uh, Tobin was watching Game of Thrones, and so we had a late dinner mm-hmm. um, uh, and watched Game of Thrones. So, yeah. well, so, that's, that's interesting. interesting. That is very is interesting. interesting, but you it's know, not anything new, right? We had talked about that. You know, I had started watching the Game of Thrones um, again as well, but then I ended up. Um, I haven't gotten back to it. I've been doing other stuff and sort of just kind of you know busy with end of my swim season and league finals and stuff. But um, so I watched a new movie that was called Those Who Wish Me Dead. It's a um, Angelina Jolie movie. Um, She stars in it. And uh, uh, is it good? I will say the show was not half bad, but I had a real issue with the just the initial premise. So. And, you know, Angelina Jolie in the right role can be great. And she is a, you know, beautiful woman, but she is very slender and kind of petite. And although, you know, athletic because she played the, um, uh, what was that um, cartoon or uh, I guess video Video game. game. Right. Um, Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, right. I mean, she can do athletic things. I just immediately when looking at this went. I don't buy that this 45-year-old woman is a smoke jumper. And that's the people who parachute out of planes to go put out yes. fires. Yes. And that's the whole premise is she's a smoke jumper who's struggling, you know, with uh, failing to present the death of three kids that were in a fire. And she gets posted to a lookout, a tower, a fire tower out in, the, you know, in, in Montana. So she's not doing smoke jumping anymore. She's now just basically, you know, living and, and watching in a tower and has is, is haunted by these memories. And so that's the beginning premise, which I didn't buy. Now, I will say I was very conscious of the fact that I didn't buy that at all and just said, OK, just put that out of your head and just let the rest of this movie wash over you. The rest of the movie was a fun little um, shoot 'em up. It's like uh, a guy is a uh, forensic accountant and apparently he has found something that powerful people which they never really define don't want made public and so they kill him but his his son gets away with information right and so they're chasing this boy who's 12 to 14 years old 
through the woods. And, of course, he then runs into Hannah Faber, the smoke-jumping woman, <laughs> who then, you know, so now the two of them are trying to get away from the assassins. And, and, and so it's, you know, it's, it's a, um, a chase scene slash fire movie in the woods kind of thing. And uh, with a few twists, and it, and so it was well done in that sense. And I liked the little twists that you know people who who you think, oh well, she's going to be dead, don't always play out. Sometimes they they you know they do the butt kicking, so it's nice. It was very um, uh, female lead centric, but overall, I'd say you know it's it's if you want a good movie, I would give it a C plus to a B minus somewhere in there um, as a movie. Um, and if if you can get past Angel, if you can't get past Angel, Angelina Jolie as a as a smoke jumper, then don't bother, <laughs> you know. But but you have to accept that premise. The only know? movie that I that she's that stars her that I have enjoyed um, is Girl Interrupted. Um, mm-hmm. I think she did a really good job in that movie. And other than that, I've just not found her to be a compelling actress. I'm mm-hmm. just not a fan. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's hit and miss for me. You know, I enjoyed um, a similar type of thing. Uh, Salt, which was she was like a spy, a Russian planted spy was not bad. Um, there was a lot of criticism about her being cast in that one as well. Um, I enjoyed The Tourist, which is one that she did with Johnny Depp. Um, I will say that it was not the best acted movie, but I just kind of like the story and the premise of that one. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I thought she did a really good job when she played um, um, uh, Melissa, Melissa, I'm doing it, Maleficent. Maleficent. Yeah, Maleficent. I was trying to put the C in front of the F. Maleficent. Um, I thought she did that. She was well cast for that. You know, she looked like the cartoon picture. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, you know, I mean. She's had a great career, so who might argue? But yeah, she's not she's not one of those actresses who like, hey, there's there's you know she's dropped a new movie, got to go see it. It's just like yeah, yes, yeah, okay. I, you know what what got me interested in in Mayor of Easttown, honestly, was Kate Winslet because she is one of those actresses that um, you know you see right. her and you're like, wow, no, I want to go see her because she's so good. Yeah, yeah, you and know? she 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 picks good things, and so you know you you it's a pretty safe bet. If you're going to catch that kind of thing, you know, whereas yeah. the other ones, I, I'm with you though. She was very good in Girl Interrupted. In fact, uh, she got uh, Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. So, so yeah, she did really well. But you know, she was playing she was playing a sociopath, right? You know, ask one of her three or four ex husbands about that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think we are just about out of time. We are. Unfortunately, the time has come to say goodbye to all our family. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Glad you got the reference because, you know, it's no fun when you have to explain your stupid, weird, arcane references. (laughs) So uh, thanks for joining us all today. We will be back. Oh, did I did we do a trivia? Oh, we we did. did. You know what? And I forgot to bring it up. The trivia was what um, what uh, did Gregory Peck? What who did Gregory Peck portray in the movie Boys from Brazil? Yes. Did he play Hitler? You know, that would have been my guess, too. But no, it's right in that vein, though, because Boys from Brazil, remember, was they were cloning Hitler and raising little Hitlers down in Brazil. And he played Dr. Joseph Mengele, who. 
in the movie had escaped Nazi Germany and was down there running a cloning clinic. And there was little kids growing up that were genetically Hitler. They were trying to recreate Hitler. The oh horror! The horror! The horror! Yeah, it, it was a it was a, a good scary movie and a premise that a lot of people would go like, oh, no, yes, yes. no, science gone bad. No so, kidding. Yeah, boys from Brazil. The 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 fantastical a, a fantasized story of of horrible things. Um, so anyway, on that happy note, <laughs> thanks for joining us today. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow.